Hey, Grow Solvers, what is up? This is Talia Toha. Welcome to the Good Grow Great podcast. And this episode is so cool because we are taking some hugely, hugely diverse background and really unusual uh, journey essentially of a person because I wanted to share with you Hamish McPhee. And Hamish, after 15 years of driving and taking and helping people up and down snowy mountains in Australia, he decided to turn his hospitality experience, competitive volleyball background, and experience with an international community into his new venture, Snow Dog Transport. Now, what's cool is that because he's taken people up and down mountains for years and years and years, he is going to share with us what he's seen, what he has seen other people did and what he personally had done um, whenever he is able to accomplish something that seemed physically impossible at first, right? Summiting a mountain or going down a mountain, whatever that might look like for you physically, and therefore mentally, right, uh, we can take home some extremely valuable lessons, particularly using the two-part secret that he shared behind finishing anything that you want. And what's cool is that you can learn essentially from this episode step-by-step methods to create momentum toward a successful, in his case, mountain climb and mountain kind of going down, right? I think it's descending in that terminology, in the outdoors terminology. But for us, what that what does that look like? When you have a business that you want to run, right? And he's also going to be sharing his volleyball experience in Australia and, uh, and then playing in the U.S. with different, you know, um, different people from different backgrounds. And then back home, when he had to play with uh, soccer players from the U.S., baseballers from Asia. So he's been exposed to so many different cultures, so many different approaches to training, right, mindset and mental strength. And I love this because it really taught not just him, but it'll teach us how to grow unstoppable calm in your work, in your life, in your health, in your business, right? And um, what's also interesting is that because he came from a non-business background, uh, which is what I came from as well, and I'm sure a handful of you as well, he was able to turn this 15-year-old business idea to a reality, right? Into his new venture now. So how did he do that, right? And how did he essentially take lessons from his bar management experience and essentially transform it into his new venture right now? And I think what's really cool is that he's also sharing with us the one thing we need to remember uh, when we deal with difficult people, right? Trolls, unhappy cost customers. We all have somebody who's not supportive of us. And so this is really crucial. So all of that and more in this episode. Before we dive in, Grow Solvers, be sure to hit that follow, add, subscribe, collect, and save and download button. Let's dive in. All right, Hamish, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Amazing. So you are chiming in from Australia. <laughs> yep. And whereabouts in beautiful Australia are you coming from? I'm coming from the state of Victoria, which is the southernmost state in the mainland. We have Tasmania, the island state below us. Um, but apart from that, we're the southernmost state. And I live in the mountains 
Very great. Now, is it because I know that the mountains in the U.S. versus Europe and Australia, they're all a little bit different. What's kind of the the average elevation height or maybe the highest elevation in in Australia around where you are? Yeah, sure. So Mount Kosciuszko is the highest. So that's about 2,200 meters um, or I guess 6,000-ish feet for <laughs> For you North Americans, um, yeah. and then we have maybe uh, there's t- there's ten peaks that are that are sort of above that two thousand meter mark, and then th- but they're all in the next state up in New South Wales, and the highest in my state is one thousand nine hundred eighty six, and that's called Mount Bogong, which is right near where I live. That's amazing. So before we start rolling, we actually uh, talked about just kind of the outdoor culture in Australia, right? Because the handful of people that I know from Australia, they all seem to have this natural enthusiasm for the outdoors and nature and just this ease of lifestyle being out uh, outside, which is is not always the case, I think, in, in most places in the world. I think even in America, there's a very specific segment of people who are outdoorsmen and everything, but then there are others who are just completely not, right? Is that the case as well in Australia, do you find, or is everyone mostly still very kind of outdoor-oriented? No, there's, there's all sorts of people, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. But I, I feel like we have, um, we have great opportunity here to get out uh, and explore. Uh, so we, well, those of us who love it, we certainly take advantage of that. And did you grow up? Is this something that you've grown up loving or is it something that you discovered maybe as you were, as you turned into a teenager, your friend took you to one mountain and then you're suddenly, you know, then you're sold or what was the, the story there? No, we went camping a whole bunch when, uh, when we were kids. Um, so we'd go up to the river and, and camping out in our tents. And then we bought a caravan. Um, so we'd, we'd go up in that. Um, but I, I, I love hiking and, and my brothers do as well. Um, so we definitely love, love getting a bit further away from, from the regular camping areas now. Right, because the regular camping areas, of course, is probably much louder and a, l- a little bit yeah. more more people there, and it's hard to find some peace of quiet, peace and quiet. And sure. did you find that when you were growing up, was there specific memories that you remember that stood out to you when you went out camping when you were kids? Like, what were some of the things that immediately jumped to mind as far as your childhood growing up in the outdoors? Yeah, definitely learning how to fish um and and swimming in the in the river and going on hikes and thinking oh my god this is the hardest thing i've ever done but then when i look back at what i do now uh, <laughs> that was nothing <laughs> you know sometimes my my hikes uh you know my longest one is was 60 kilometers which is you know a very long day yeah that's not easy <laughs> that's, yeah that's all yeah, that's a lot of, well, and it's funny because you mentioned just a second ago, looking back, right? And looking back to those experiences when you were growing up, obviously it didn't, it felt like that was the hardest thing that you were doing. And yeah. I'm kind of interested to hear and just kind of unpack this for a minute because 
as for the listeners who are business owners and entrepreneurs, right, and are going through tough times, I think this is really interesting because I find that retrospectively, whenever I look at any part of my journey, it's always been that that point of time always feels the hardest, right? But then you keep growing and you keep getting older, years come in, and then that point of time becomes the hardest and then the next and the next, right? So, um, and you talked about you now having to walk whatever it is, 60 kilometers and, and plus. And what were some things that when you're reaching kind of the last part of those walks, right? Those hikes and those really long trips, what were some of the things that you tell yourself to kind of keep yourself to and push yourself to keep going? Yeah, um, it's it's sometimes a bit bit difficult, especially you know I'm I'm 37 years old now and I've played volleyball for 15 years, so my knees uh, and hips sometimes, uh, you know, they don't really like the the big ones, especially going downhill. So you got to keep pushing forward. And I I like uh, things like pace and timing, and I don't analyze it. I don't use Strava, but I just think to myself, well, how long is it going to take me to finish this hike? How many kilometers have I got? What's my pace at average at the moment? And kind of calculate it. So I let my brain take over uh, and stop thinking about the pain. I'm, I'm thinking about the numbers and doing, doing maths and trying to, you know, work out, well, can I finish this from here in three hours? Or is it going to be four hours? And then try and challenge myself to beat, beat that time. Um, so yeah, kind of get my brain to think about other things. Yeah, and this I've heard this a lot. I think this technique that you shared, and maybe you're doing it almost naturally because you've been doing it since your volleyball days and since you were a kid hiking, of course, but even just athletes, right? And people who are high performing and, and doing all of these physical activities, they always talk about that how, you know, the mind over matter concept and how yeah. your 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 brain really does start to take over and you have to kind of train your brain to tell or say certain things so that it kind of keeps the body pushing yourself in a certain way. Now, having been in the outdoors and playing volleyballs all these years, have you ever gotten so injured that maybe you couldn't continue or was that never, did that never happen? Um, well, sometimes in volleyball when you, you land on someone's ankle and you, turn your ankle that, that takes you out of the game um but i had a, a, a meniscus tear in my knee on a very long hike um i finished but i took hours longer than i anticipated because i couldn't really put much weight through through my left leg so i was really kind of hobbling along for the last sort of 10 to 15 kilometers um, or maybe 20 kilometers actually, but I kind of got into a rhythm of that. And I find that rhythm is very important, um, in all kind of aspects. Uh, and it can refer to business as well. Once you get, you get into a rhythm, you get into a, you know, your, your technique might change, but if you keep that solid rhythm and consistency, that's pretty important. 
Yeah, this is really interesting that you talked about the rhythm because I think in I wonder if in some ways those rhythms just kind of help uh, maybe smooth out and diffuse those peaks and valleys, right? And to yeah. your point about taking away some of that pain, it really does your you know that consistency and just doing it in a certain path or pace, it really does in a lot of ways take your mind off of it. It's almost like kind of, I wouldn't say lullabying you to sleep, but really just making it a habitual thing, even in that short period of time, uh, which is which is really interesting because, uh, you know, a lot of people who come to the podcast, they depending on their age, sometimes they're in their 50s and 60s and they say, hey, look, you know, I can't ski anymore, but I, I technically can't ski as hard as I used to, but I'm still skiing just slightly differently, right? Yeah. And kind of like how you were sharing just a little bit slower, <laughs> you know, but you still get to do it, which I think is uh, probably important and an important analogy to draw and uh, apply to entrepreneurship and business because you, you get to choose the pace that you want to do it with, right? And faster is great, but sometimes it means that you're crashing harder, you know, That's and right. slower is, is kind of this nice and easy, uh, easier on the body, let's just say, right? Uh, now, before we go into, you know, Snow Dog, your business and all the amazing things that you're doing in Australia, I wanted to actually uh, also highlight what you just shared about your your volleyball uh, your time doing volleyball is that a professional was that something in school that you did was that something more kind of extracurricular what was your volleyball? Uh, I played um club um volleyball state uh representative as well and i actually went to uh, graceland university in lamoni iowa for two years um so i I got a, a scholarship and headed across to, to the US and that was like the best thing I've ever done. It was amazing. Um, really? The friends I made doing that, it was, yeah, that was really, really cool. Iowa, that's great. That's amazing. Yeah. What made you choose that? Was that the volleyball program that, that made you choose that particular area? Yeah, I, I only really, I spoke to a couple of coaches, but I only really wanted to go to that one school because um, someone else I knew had gone there and he yeah. was telling me about it. And I never thought in my wildest dreams that I would be able to play volleyball overseas. Like I was just playing in my club and in my local competition and, you know, we were doing quite well. But then this other friend who went, he said, yes, you, you'll be great over there. It's, you'll have a good time. You'll fit in really well. And it was amazing. Yeah. What was the amazing, was it just the culture is new and you're learning all of these things? What were some things that stood out to you? Uh, well, Graceland's quite an international um, university. It's got quite a small population, but a lot of um, kids from all around the world um, playing sports. So half of the student population were international athletes. So it was really great to, you know, meet the soccer players from South America and, um, you know, baseballers from Asia, just everyone from everywhere was come together on this really tiny campus. Uh, and it was amazing just to be, be part of that. So did you find, cause I'm interested to hear, you know, having this 
view now, uh, kind of a 30,000 feet view on all types of all different kinds of athletes from all around the world. And me personally coming from a different part of the world than the US and now having been uh, a huge part of the US as well. I, I find that there, I mean, culturally, of course, there are differences, right? But even just on the athletic realm, you kind of notice that people approach their craft differently. And certain people are maybe a little bit more rigid in their training, right? And all these things. What were some some differences that you noticed maybe that you remembered from your time there from all the various <laughs> different athletes in the world? Yeah, for sure. Well, half my volleyball team were Hawaiian. Okay. And I absolutely love them and that culture. But there's a little thing called island time. Yes. I don't know if your listeners may have heard of that, but yeah. trying to get the boys to training on time was not always Tricky. easy. Yeah. It's, you know, they run on island time. So, yeah, they'll get there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Amazing do- athletes. Yeah, they'll do it whenever. And that's maybe part of why they're so good at certain things is because they have this this undeterred calm about things, right? Yeah. And uh, and they just kind of plow through. And uh, yeah, this is interesting. And I mean, this, it is curious. And the reason why I ask is because, again, people come to the podcast from all types of background and even the business owners and entrepreneurs, you do see different approaches and different ways of looking at things, right? And so I certainly appreciate that <laughs> that reminder of island time, one that maybe, you know, we could do a little bit more of every now and then, right? Absolutely. Um, which, is, which is great. So I do want to touch on and pivot for a minute here. And uh, before we talk about Snow Dog, what kind of gave you that entrepreneurial itch? Or maybe that's something that you've always thought about in your time in, uh, with, with the Hawaiian uh, teammates, or maybe that's something that you've developed over the course of the years. How did you kind of start to come up with this, this desire and passion to start your own business? I never had it. Never had it? <laughs> never had it. Um, I never wanted to run my own business. I was always happy to go to work, do my work and come home because that's something that um, business owners who I'd worked for before had kind of said, gee, it's hard running your own business because it's never ending, uh, which I'm finding out now, obviously. Uh, It doesn't doesn't stop. Um, But then at the same time, I had this business idea 15 years ago uh, as something that I thought, gee, wouldn't it be great if I could run a business taking people to the snow, like, and then 15 years later, it's, it's now a reality, but it was never really, I was never really driven to run my own business. And it was just never in your play. Did you come from a, a family who's very kind of conventional in their sense? They go to their nine to five, or do you have people in your life who's like, yeah, you know, they're doing their own thing. Yeah. Well, dad, dad worked that, you know, nine to five, um, his whole working life, but both my brothers run their own businesses in construction. Um, and, you know, seeing that some of their difficulties may have also helped in not really having a desire to do it, but uh-huh. something clicked. I can't put my finger on when it happened. I think it was the fact that I, I was working in hospitality for 15 to 20 years uh, and getting really sick of that. Kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. What was your role in hospitality? Uh, I was a bar manager. 
well, that will do it. <laughs> so lots of late nights, uh, drunk, angry people. Yeah. yeah. I had enough. Take, get me to the outdoors. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and you're kind of getting the, the unhappy end of the bargain, I guess. A lot of people go to bars usually to kind of sulk in their sorrow and, and just kind of take it out on either the drink or the person serving the drink. Right? So in some ways that's kind of challenging. Uh, and so I'm interested to hear, because you said that you spend, you know, years taking people up to the mountains, right? And driving snow trips. Yeah. And what were some of the, is this, is this for, so explain a little bit more about what, how that all started. Sure. Well, we used to go, um, when I was at, at university here at home, uh, we'd get uh, half price lift tickets for our local um, mountain, um, which was about two and a half hours from, from where we all live. So I'd, I'd drive every, every week, sometimes twice a week. Um, I'd drive with three or four other people and we got, we'd split the costs and it would be a really great value day uh, when we weren't uh, at university. And then that kind of kept going. I was like, well, that's where the idea really blossomed for a business. Like, why can't I do this as a business? And then that went on the back burner, finished my, well, went over to the US, um, played, went to college over there, played volleyball, came back, finished my degree here, um, which is in um, communication, journalism. No real desire to do that for a living. So just stayed in hospitality and ended up taking a job up in the mountains at a, at a pub uh, where I was going skiing, you know, three, four times a week. Very cool. And taking local people up with me and, you know, they'd give me some, some gas money and help with uh, parking fees and things like that. And then I just got to the point where I knew that I could, you know, make money doing this rather than just cover my own costs. Yeah. And this is kind of that light bulb aha discovery moment, right? That all business owners have when they realize what they're doing, you know, they can start earning money in different ways, doing exactly what they've been doing or some exactly what they've always wanted to do. And in your case, it's, it's doing something that you're already doing, but just now the income is coming your way uh, just completely, right? Instead of going through some other, your boss or your company or whatever, which is, yeah. uh, which is pretty cool. Now, I am curious though, because with these like mountain runs and, and, you know, taking people, and especially if you have this, uh, this hospitality background, usually people come to the podcast who has this background and they usually have some pretty gruesome, not gruesome, but stories that were a little bit unsavory, right? Like stories that can kind of make them, their eyes roll to the back of their heads and they go, oh my gosh, thank goodness I don't do that anymore because so-and-so person was so difficult. Did you ever encounter that throughout the years that you take people up the mountain and, and, and such? Um, difficult people. <laughs> yeah. I've definitely, in recent times I definitely have. Um, people not wanting to abide by COVID uh, regulations and things like that. That's difficult. Um, but most, the most difficult people were uh, definitely in the, in the hotel, not, uh, not people I was taking up. 
That's interesting because you would think that when people are outside, maybe they are, I don't know, maybe they're cold, right? Or certain things, their skis or something is not uh, not working well, right? It, it is kind of interesting. Why do you think that that's the case? Do you think that that's because people are inside and they just sort of, they, they have nowhere else to take it out on and you're... Uh, it's, it's alcohol, I guess, is the, <laughs> right. the big difference. But when people are out, out skiing or especially going going up you know they're excited about their day when they're coming back when i bring them back down you know they're they're keen to go home and and we'll get back to the hotel have a shower and something to eat uh, and a beer so they're kind of yeah not it's not as bad because they've had they've had an awesome time mm-hmm. when people people have had a bad day on the snow uh that's that's a different story but that's uh you know you can definitely understand that yeah, and were you ever? I, I think doing what you do, do you have to get certain training? So give give the audience a little bit of a window as far as what's involved to you know do what you do. Do you have to like learn CPR? Do you have to have like medical training? What were some of the things that you had to go through over the course of the years? Well, I just I don't uh, have a whole lot to do with them once they're up there, unless they uh, want to ski with me. So I'm not a ski instructor. Uh, I'm not a ski patroller. I'm, I'm AST to avalanche, um, trained, Mm -hmm. which is the highest, uh, recreational level. But unless I'm taking people into the backcountry, uh, that's not really relevant. And I don't have the qualifications to do that. So when I'm, I can take, uh, friends out for, for fun, uh, into backcountry areas, but not, not for my business. So if, when I do things like that, I work with uh, local guides and, and help them out. So my, my guests can, can do that and I can drive them up uh, and drive them back from that. And I can, I can go out on the tours with them as well. Uh, but the training for that then falls with the tour guide, who uh, the other people, other businesses who I work with. Right. So let them kind of worry about some of the more difficult <laughs> situations and cases Definitely. and yeah, and scenarios. And I think this is something that we can, I think anyone listening can definitely replicate and just kind of adapt and adopt. And on the podcast, I always talk about the concept of adapting and adopting, especially if people are learning from other business owners who are in a different space. And even though maybe, you know, somebody listening is not necessarily doing exactly what you're doing, Hamish, they could probably look at your what you just said as okay that that means that i can probably pair up with someone else whose expertise is in this xyz and that kind of keeps my my role limited to this and i don't have to do all of the things right i think there's exactly there's that catch-22 for sure when people are just starting out where you feel like you're and you maybe are doing all of the things right so i love that uh, just this reminder that okay it you don't have to do it all by yourself you don't have to certainly don't have to do um everything under the face of the earth and so no it's 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 not possible (laughs) yeah no yeah exactly there's a limited amount of time for sure uh which is uh you know and which we're all given so i am uh curious let's talk snow dog here a little bit more and so tell everyone what exactly do you do uh with your company snow dog i know that you've kind of given people a little bit of a snippet here and there so just explain a little bit more about your concept 
Yeah, sure. So it's Snow Dog Transport. My little uh, slogan is Escape to the Mountains. So I work uh, year-round. Winter time, I'm taking people to uh, the main the main two resorts in my area. So either from Melbourne, which is our, our uh, state capital, uh, picking people up from the airport. Perhaps they've flown in from Queensland, which is up in the north. So a very tropical uh, area for us, obviously with no snow. So families will come down, fly down to Melbourne. I'll pick them up there and take them take them to the mountains to to have their holiday. Uh, and I can obviously coordinate things like accommodation and ski hire and uh, and guides and ski instructors and all, all that kind of thing. I can help them find as well. Uh, and then, as well as those longer trips, uh, I can just take people from from Bright, which is the, the town at the base pretty much at the base of, of our two major resorts, Mount Hotham and Falls Creek. So they can come and stay there and I can just take them up up in the morning uh, to either one. Sometimes I, I'll ski with them if that's, if that's what they want. I can certainly do that. Otherwise, yeah, just take them up, bring them back. Uh, that's over winter. Uh, over summer, we have hot, lots of hikers come to the mountains and between the two resorts, there's uh, a walk called the Alpine Crossing, which is a 37-kilometer, three-day hike. So the idea being where I come in is I can either drop you off at one end and pick you up at the other end, or what, what we kind of prefer to do is have you drive up to the end point where you want to finish your hike. Uh, I'll pick you up there from your car and drop you around at the start of the hike and then you just hike back to your car. Uh, so whatever time you get there, it doesn't matter. You don't have to meet me. You just hike back to your car and, uh, and drive back down to Bright or, or stay a night on the mountain. Yeah, this is so cool because I find that when, as uh, an outdoor enthusiast myself, I find that a lot of times that those those kind of bookend moments and bookend parts of your day when you're outside is really the, the most challenging one, you know, because in the morning, of course, you're still kind of getting up and you're getting ready. And, and so you're not quite, sometimes your mind is not quite there yet. Right. And you're kind of a little bit sluggish, but, yeah. uh, and also at the end of the day, of course, after you're, you know, you've, you've done all your hikes or, or your ski run or river run, whatever it is. And you come home and your feet feel like, jelly and so i love what you're doing here obviously it's just this beautiful way to kind of support and help people have this absolutely amazing experience and uh which is which is so uh stunning and amazing so snow dog transport uh share uh hamish believe it or not we are kind of coming to the uh, the conclusion of our conversation oh, wow. so yeah i know it time flies right so yeah. go ahead and share with the audience where they can find you where they can connect with you and we'll wrap up the interview just shortly no problem so my website is snowdog.com.au and you can email email me at hello at snowdog.com.au amazing hamish yeah that's it snowdog.com.au for hamish thank you hamish uh, for being on the podcast thank you talia Growth Solvers, be sure to hit that follow, add, subscribe, collect, and save and download button.